Minehead Baptist Church Sermon Podcast for Sunday, the 5th of March 2023. Hello and welcome, thank you once again for joining me. My name's James and I'm the web guy here at NBC. This week, Richard continued our series looking at a rhythm of life with sharing. The reading is Romans chapter 12. So we'll go and join Richard as he's introducing the service. Morning, lovely to see you all this morning as we gather together to worship. My name is Richard. For those of you that don't know me, I have the privilege of being one of the ministers here. Uh, Just, I was about to say notices, but notice this morning. Um, A reminder, it's Tommy's induction next uh, Sunday morning. Uh, I'm having a bring and share lunch after the service. Uh, So there are sign-up sheets in the foyer. They are all in the foyer, I've just been told. Now there's no longer any over there, so go that way. Uh, it would be very helpful if we knew who was coming, so we know how many tables to put up, as you can imagine. Uh, and if you could let us know what you're going to be bringing, so we have a nice, a balanced diet, I suppose, rather than a diet of quiche and cake, which is my experience of many a bring and share lunch. Uh, and I've just remembered another notice I forgot to do. Uh, we've had a request. Um, if anyone has a spare electric cooker or old electric cooker, could you let me know? We've had a request in through um, CAP. Um, someone's looking for one. So if you know that one, if that's you, uh, do let me know. Shall we pray as we come to worship? Father, we thank you that we can gather together. That we can gather together and worship you. Father, we pray, fill us with your presence. Fill this place with your spirit. Father, speak to us this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're now, uh, Roy's now going to lead us in some worship. Thank you, Richard. Good morning to you all. As we come to worship, I'm just... Um, I'm just going to read some passages from John 17. It's after Jesus had uh, celebrated Passover with the disciples. And it says in from verse 1, After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way you have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So let's sing glory, glory in the highest. Come now with a time of prayer, prayers of intercession. I will pray, but I'll leave little gaps if anybody else has something you really want to, you know, bring to the Lord. I want to start local, go national, go international, if that's okay, sort of. So we'll do it in three sections. I'll do a short prayer for local things, our own people and so on. If anybody else quickly wants to join in, do. Then we'll think about our nation, then we'll think about our world. 
Lord, we come before you this morning and we thank you for your church. And we thank you, Lord, for the particular part of the church that we're part of. We thank you, Lord, for the work here. We pray again for all who are involved even this morning in teaching our children and our young people. We pray, Lord, for all of the activities in the week, all that happens in this building, all that happens down at the hub, all that happens with the individual and the personal witness that takes place in people's homes and in people's lives and in people's workplaces. Lord, we want individually, we want as a church to be shining as a beacon on a hill, to be salt within our society. And so we pray for the life and the work of our church. And we pray for the effect and the influence in this town and area. And we pray, Lord, for others, other churches, other people that seek to glorify your name and serve you. We pray for your moving and your blessing in Jesus' name. Now, if there are individuals in the church or individuals locally that you'd like to just call out their name or pray for them, please do. Pray for Brian and Hazel and that they may know your peace and your comfort, Lord, at this time. In Jesus' name. Lord, just thank you for the provision for Peggy and Joan. And pray that over these next few days, things will move smoothly for them. And that they will get the care that they need. And for any others, Lord, with particular needs and problems, we pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now let's think of our nation. We can think of our nation in all kinds of ways, but it's in a bit of a mess, isn't it, in all kinds of ways. And it's easy to point fingers and say, well, this person's got it wrong, and that person's got it wrong, and the, um, our politicians haven't been very good, have they? Well, let's think of it more positively. We're meant to pray for those who are in authority over us. Let's pray for church leaders as well, that God would guide and inspire. Lord, we come before you and we pray for our nation. Your word tells us to pray for those that are in authority over us. We come this morning and we do pray for our government we pray, Lord, for the leaders of the various departments. Oh, Lord, they desperately need godly wisdom. Mm. And, Lord, we know most of them won't be looking to you, but we pray, Lord, that you will move and work in their lives. We pray, Lord, for leaders within the churches. Lord, for inspiration and blessing. We have to pray, Lord, be merciful. Be merciful in our land. We think of the terrible problems with poverty, 
the terrible problems with drug addiction and we pray for all those involved in trying to reach out and help and provide and especially to do that in your name and lead people to yourself. Lord, we pray for our nation. Be merciful, we pray. In Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen. And again, if anybody would like to pray for our nation or pray for any particular leaders, please feel free. Now let's think. Pray for the Church of England that you will bring unity and that you will bring the church back to Scripture. Mm. Pray, Father God, there will be no compromise in that Lord Jesus. Um, the Christians will stand up and say, no, we don't agree with this, we want to come back to Scripture. We pray for the church in this country that it will be united because, Father, where you say unity is, that's where you will move. And we just pray for unity, Lord, within the churches in this country. And now let's think internationally. I think obviously in many people's minds will be what's still going on in Ukraine. Mm. And we need to pray for the people of Ukraine. But then if, if some of the figures we get are right, how many thousands and thousands of Russian families are grieving the mm. loss of their sons, their husbands, their brothers. But that, whole, that whole thing is just horrendous. And I, I hadn't picked up on the news, I only read it yesterday, that there's been a terrible situation over recently in New Zealand. They've had such terrible floods. I was reading of a church which had been so badly flooded it won't be able to be used for a long, long while. And in other areas they've had a hurricane which has hit the North Island and they are without, without fresh water, without power. I, I didn't even realise that was going on. Um, there's so many big problems. So let's come and let's pray for, for our world. It's so big, it's so vast, you have to think, well, which bits do we pray for? Well, Lord, we do come. And I think of an old song we used to sing, This is my Father's world. And yet, Lord, so much of it has been spoiled, has been affected by sin. And Lord, it's so easy to look and say, oh, 
Putin's an evil man and looking back in history Hitler was an evil man but we know there's sin in every one of us Lord sin is just a universal problem and it's affected everything and we come and we pray that in the midst of the terrible terrible problems that there are the awful things that are going on we pray for your provision and blessing we pray Lord for the people in, affected in New Zealand Many have been flooded out, their homes ruined. Many without water, without fresh water supply, without power, without any connections. Oh Lord, we pray that as the efforts are being made to repair and to restore, that you will bless and give success. We think, Lord, of the many, many African countries still torn apart by internal strife and fighting and trouble. And all of the trouble that goes to do with the droughts and all of the problems. Oh Lord, it's, so, it's such a vast, vast area. And we come and pray your mercy and we pray your blessing upon Christian witness and outreach. We pray for the work that's going on in the vast refugee camps for your blessing. And again we come and pray for that situation between Ukraine and Russia. Lord, we long that there would be peace. We long, Lord, something would stop it. But in the meantime, Lord, we pray for every effort to provide, to comfort, to help. We thank you, Lord, for the many Christian workers and organisations that are taking food, that are taking heating, that are taking, that are taking the gospel for the hospital camps that have been set up. Oh, Lord, we thank you for every effort to be a blessing and to work in your name. And we commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Alec. Some weeks ago, um, Paul was preaching on Joshua 24, and when, when we did the reading, it was, there was something that struck me, very, very went, just went very deep into me, and it's just been echoed by Sue this morning, who said the same thing, as for me and my house. And I think it just must have affected other people, because Jenny was at the dance group on Thursday, and I think you're, you were using it on Thursday. Yeah, so we're going to, it may be new to some of you, but uh, we're going to sing this so I hope it's, we'll sing the verse and the chorus and then we'll do it again so you can pick it up. It's, um, as for me and my house, we will serve you. You are, it's you are holy.
and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Come to this table not because you must, but because you may. Not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because any goodness of your own gives you a right to come, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and would like to love him more. Come because he loved you and gave himself for you. Come and meet the risen Christ, for we are his body. Shall we pray? Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you worthily magnify your holy name. For Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul tells us of the institution of the Lord's Supper. He writes in the first letter to the Corinthians, For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took a loaf of bread When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Shall we give thanks for this gift of bread and wine? Loving God, we praise and thank you for your love shown to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life and ministry, announcing the good news of your kingdom and demonstrating its power, the lifting of the downtrodden and the healing of the sick and the loving of the loveless. We thank you for his sacrificial death upon the cross, for the redemption of the world, and for your raising him to life again, as a foretaste of the glory we shall share. We give you thanks for this bread and wine, symbols of our world and signs of your transforming love. Send your Holy Spirit, we pray that we may be renewed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and formed into his body. This we pray in his name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Can I invite those who are going to share, uh, pass out or distribute bread and wine to come up? Jesus said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in memory of me. And he broke the bread, shared it among his disciples. So eat the bread as you receive it. Take it in remembrance that Christ died for you. Feed on him in your heart by faith with him. Thank you.
death, O Lord, we commemorate. Your resurrection we confess. Your final coming we await. Glory be to you, O Christ. Father of all, we give you thanks and praise. That when we were still far off, you met us in your Son and brought us home. Dying and living, he declared your love. Gave us grace and opened the gates of glory. May we who share Christ's body live his risen life. We who drink his cup bring life to others. We whom the spirit lights give light to the world. Keep us firm in the hope you have set before us. So we and all your children shall be free. And all earth live to praise your name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 Joe's going to come and give us our reading. Our reading is Romans, Romans chapter 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to you, every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need and practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. Thanks, Joe. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you that it speaks to us. 
Father, and I pray that you would speak through me now. Let my words be yours. Speak into our hearts, we pray. Amen. We are in, in case you haven't noticed, Lent at the minute. I have to admit, I had no pancakes on Shrove Tuesday, so I feel like I've sort of missed the boat slightly, but it's a period when we traditionally give up something or sacrifice something to, in theory at least, bring us closer to God. I think that's the point anyway. You could dispute with me after if you disagree. But there is a point hidden in there somewhere, and it's that we have to give up something that means something to us. If I announced to you all that for Lent this year I was going to give up, give up writing essays for college, you might all reasonably say, don't be silly, Richard. You don't like doing them anyway. It's not really a sacrifice. Rugby, on the other hand. But we model Lent on Jesus' period in the desert. At least I presume that's where it comes from. I didn't look up properly, but quite where it's attached to before Easter, I don't really know. But Jesus spent 40 days in the desert praying and fasting, spending time with God. He gave up food to be drawn closer to God. And we read in this passage a reminder of the fact that in order to follow Jesus well and faithfully, we are required to make sacrifices. Paul commands us, brothers and sisters, offer your body as a living sacrifice. In that, there is a sign of how much things have changed, actually. In the period Paul is writing to even 50 years before. Things have changed humongously with the coming of Jesus. In the Old Testament, we read of the sacrifices that are required to remove sin. Animals were killed. Grain was burnt. Things were, in some ways, destroyed to give to God. But now we can offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. In my Bible, in a year, this year, we've just finished Leviticus recently. Which, as someone in college said, is a very boring book. I'm not quite sure I agree fully. He told our Old Testament tutor this, who was not pleased. But we're struck by the nature of what sacrifices are meant to be. Not just anything would do. It wasn't just a case of going out and finding any old animal, one that actually, oh, you wouldn't really miss it, but one that was to be the best of the best, unblemished, pure. Should we not be saying the same of our sacrifices for God now? Should we not be giving to God the best of our best? Not just doing what we feel is the bare minimum of what we think we can get away with. I don't know about you, but often it feels to me it's easier to say, oh, that'll do. It's good enough. When I'm saying, no, I'm going to give all that I can give.
As I was thinking about this, I was struck by quite a famous verse, I would say, in verse 2. Do not conform to the patterns of the world. How different to the world around us is that call to give our best, give of our all, to be willing to give up everything, the best of our things, the best of something, anything, for someone else. In a world that seems to obsess about what we do and don't have, how much of a difference and a witness do we make if we're willing to give up everything to follow God? Do not conform to what the world tells you to do. But be transformed so that you might follow what God has called you to do. Called us to do. To give all we have to him. And to follow him. And even as we give everything to God, we do actually have to accept something. That it was never ours to begin with. In verse 3... We read that verse, the faith that God has distributed to each of you. It's a reminder that all good things come from God. And we express our thanks to him by recognising that fact, by accepting that fact. And in many ways, giving it all back over to God, saying, use me. Use what I have, what you have given me, to serve you. These verses from verses 3 to 8 are one of, I think, actually quite an encouraging verse or chap, uh, passage in the Bible. They encourage us to think differently about what we do in the life of the church. We have a reminder that we are all blessed to be given different gifts. That each one of us is called to something different in God's plan. But that they all come together for the glory of God's kingdom. It's all quite easy sometimes to look around church and go, oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could do this. Become envious of what someone else is able to do, what the gifts they have been given. I can stand up here and preach, which I know some of you would not do or have no desire to do in a million years. But if you asked me to do Steve's job of looking after the building, there'd be a lot of things falling down. We're all called to different ministries, different ways to serve. That's all right. It's actually as it's meant to be. Do you know what the amazing thing is? We're not called to keep our gifts to ourselves. We collectively make up one body that we call the church. And Paul reminds us each member belongs to the other. We are united as the body of Christ. There is a challenge actually inherent in all of this. And it's this. 
We're called to use the gifts God has given us. If God has given you a gift and you're not willing to use it, what does that say about your willingness to give everything over to God for his use? It is a challenge. Now, some of that will require us to work out what gifts we have been given. But we're called to share with one another God gifts according to needs and the need of the church. God gives us the gifts that we need as a collective, as a whole. It requires us to work out what gifts God has given us. But they are all God's gifts, God's giftings to us to be used for the building of his kingdom. We can't escape that fact. That whatever God gifts us should be used for him. In verse 9 we read, love must be sincere. I don't know about you, but it feels like, it feels quite obvious, I suppose, but when you start thinking about it, you go, what does that actually mean? What does that look like in practice? And we get an, well, basically, the rest of the chapter spells it out for us. It's almost like Paul was a good writer. It's amazing, isn't it? One that really stood out to me as I was reading this is, be devoted to one another in love. For love is what binds us together, isn't it? Our love for one another, our love for Jesus, and most crucially, Jesus' love for us. It's why we can say we are brothers and sisters together. For Jesus has brought us together as one family. In verse 13, we read, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. There are here two very direct and straightforward instructions. Paul reminds his readers, share with those in need. A reminder that we are called to be generous with what God has given us. What God has provided us with. And I think it also has a sort of flip side. It also requires us not just to wait for people to come to us to help them, but to be actively thinking about how we can help those around us in whatever form it takes. And we have to be willing to give generously and sacrificially, give of the best that we have to serve God. Practicing hospitality might too require sacrifice. Hospitality was a massive deal at this point when it was written. There were no, well, very few, anything remotely like what we would imagine hotels to be. So it was quite normal to stay with people on your journey. I don't know about you, but if someone turned up at my door and said, can I stay? I'd have to have a, probably a mad run, run round to tidy up and sort out things and maybe even rearrange my plans. I can imagine there was a bit of chaos caused on occasion 
by people turning up unexpectedly. But we're called to give of what God has given us, to share with one another. In Matthew 25, there's that famous passage where Jesus talks about the sheep and the goats and how we will be judged on how we've treated those in need. Those who fed him while he was hungry will be favoured. Throughout scripture, we are encouraged time and time again to share generously what God has given us. To give sacrificially of what, of all that we have, not just the bits we feel we can afford to give. Because to make a sacrifice might require everything, mate. I've got a secret for you, which probably won't come as a surprise to many of you, but it could well be quite difficult. Challenging. Awkward. But we have as our example Jesus, whose sacrifice on the cross changed the world for the better, who gave generously of his life so that we might share in his glory. How can we do anything less? I'm going to read to you verses 14 to 18, all a section that doesn't really need much of adding to, to sum up what it means to love one another, really. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but we'd be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Sums up, doesn't it, what it means to love? My Bible has as its title for this section, Love in Action. Wouldn't that be a display of what love is if we lived out those things? Examples of caring for one another, of indeed sharing in life together. What might be the effect of all this on the world around us? This chapter ends with a passage or some, a verse that confuses, to be fair to say, in verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, it's that last bit that's always confused a lot of people, it'd be fair to say. But it's a challenging prospect, isn't it, to love your enemy, to feed your enemy. To care for them as one of your own. And in doing this, you will heap burning coals on their head. 
John Stott wrote about this passage or this verse. The coals of the fire are intended to heal, not to hurt, to win, not to alienate. In fact, to shame them into repentance. To seek their highest goods. For in showing the world what it means to be a follower of Jesus, in loving one another, in loving our enemies, we set a wonderful example of difference. We're not conforming to the world around us, are we? We're being very different. And in all, we seek each other's goods. We don't seek to ruin and destroy our enemies, do we? But to love them and care for them. It's such a challenge to the world we live in. This passage ends with a wonderful verse, an encouraging verse. Do not become overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. It reminds us that if we give into the temptation to hoard to ourselves, to keep to ourselves, to not love our enemies and our friends, then we let evil win. So I finish with some questions for you. How can you share the gifts that God has given you? That may even involve working out, asking yourself, what are they? What might you be willing, you be being called to sacrifice in order to serve God and the church? There might be an easy answer to that. Although you can work out easily, it might be more challenging. But we're called to give the best of the best, our all, in sacrifice to God. And how can we love and support one another better as brothers and sisters in Christ, as we share in life together? We talked last week, or I talked last week, about encouragement. How can we do that more? How can we help each other in love? Amen. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you that you bind us together as your people, as your body. Father, we thank you that you gift each one of us uniquely to serve you. And Father, we recognize that in all we do, we might be called to sacrifice for you. We might be called to give of our best. Things we don't feel we can give up. But Lord, we know all is yours. Father, we pray, help us to give over all we have to you. Help us, Lord, to love one another, to share together. To love one another. 
Father, help us to be an example to the world around us. An example of what it means to be your children. To love our enemies. To love all. To care for all. Father, help us, we pray. Pour out your spirit on us, we pray. In Jesus' name, we ask this. Amen. And we're going to sing again. And as we sing, let's, um, let's use this song as a, as a prayer following Richard's, uh, Richard's talk. More love. That's what we need. More love, more power. Father, we thank you for your sacrifice for us. Father, we cry out to you. Father, we pray that we would give all that we have to you. Father, we thank you for this offering. Father, may it be used for your work. Father, fill us as we go out. Fill us with your spirit, we pray. Amen. 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 Shall we share in the grace with one another? The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the, and the love, love of God, and, and the, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us all evermore. Amen. 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 And as we sing our last song, just what you think about, before we sing it, actually think about what you're singing. The first, the first line of this is, all to Jesus I surrender, all to him I freely give. That's a challenge for us. To leave a comment, please go to minehead-baptist.com slash sermons. Well, thank you once again for listening, and I'll speak to you soon.